0: call here brought one of my closest friends Janiqua here with me because I wanted to take this March episode in a different direction especially as we go through our third year we're starting our third season of Black mm-hmm. Women Working amazing <laughs> and i think that you know people are starting to pick up on it in the area my friends have started to speak more about it people are starting to pay attention to podcasts mm-hmm. um I think COVID has brought people to like, I don't want to watch TV. I just want to hear so I can connect, you know? And and I think that that has been a blessing, but I can't believe, you know, it's been, we're literally in the third season of black woman working and I just appreciate all the support, but I wanted to start this one off with being really transparent and being authentic. And I knew that it would be easier for me if I had you here to kind of talk about this and share. You know, part of sharing is healing, part of sharing is storytelling, but part of sharing is really scary. Really scary. <laughs> yeah. So, I wanted to share my medical path, I guess, that's been happening these last 2 months of 2021 and what I'm facing in the future. Um, In hopes that it brings awareness to other black women or people in in general, but also that it provides a little bit of comfort to those who may be having their own health battles. Mm -hmm. And then also it may bring me to new people that are probably facing the same thing, right? Yeah. So I know that like earlier last July, I did a two part series about fibroids. Yeah. And... I think, you know, the reason why I did that was because um, I had gotten, I went to the OBGYN in like June, my normal pap, and, you know, she talked to me about fibroids. Mm -hmm. Now, I know my mom and my sister have had fibroids, and so I knew that it's part of my genetic predisposition, but didn't know that she was going to walk into the room and be Mm -hmm. like, so you having kids or what? And Mm -hmm. I said, What? And she's like, so do you want to have kids or what? Like very just like wow. straightforward.
1: Straightforward.
0: Okay. And I me being the sherry that I am, I was like, you're not asking me that. What you're asking me is, am I in a relationship or am I having intimacy or intercourse with someone without a condom? Like, you want to come at me straight. I'm gonna come I'm gonna come back at with you. And yeah. my and my answer to her was like, no. You know, like I'm not dating right now. And then she kind of put a time clock on what could be my fertility opportunities? Um, but she said, like, you know, nothing to worry about. We'll just continue to watch, right? And I knew that I had fibroids, but I didn't know that a year later, less than a year later. Less than a year,
1: yeah. Yeah. That, the summer.
0: that I would, yeah, yeah. Less yeah. than a year later that now my condition has changed, that my fibroids have grown And within the next 30 days, I'll be having a hysterectomy. And I think that that is the crux of how I'm feeling right now. Um, Just when you think about women who, black women, and we've always been talked about, you know, don't let them take your female parts. and and,
1: Sterilization mm. surgeries that were not supposed to be sterilization surgeries. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And now this is my path, right? Like, I mean, and I, you know, I I know my, you know, I have medical OCD, so I go to the doctor. (laughs) Your OCD is on another level. Like,
1: your OCD is not.
0: (laughs) So the reason why Janiqua says this is what led me to having a hysterectomy on April 30th of this year, well which will lead me to having this is that in early what January, I would say mid to mid to early January, I called you and shared that I had, you know, friends and close family members who had called me and told me that they were facing a diagnosis around their colon. And my myself, you know, I was like, "Let me, I'm going to go get a colonoscopy."
1: You did, and I was like, "Sherry,
0: I'm <laughs> <calm> down, <laughs> yeah, you were like, sherry, you're gonna be okay, you're gonna be okay i don't you don't need this, yeah. blah blah blah, and so I was like, I know, but I'm just gonna go, and they're gonna tell me, see you in ten years, go mm-hmm. somewhere, and so I scheduled I went to my doctor, she advocated for me, which is a great thing is that you need to get a doctor that advocates for you i am yeah. forty one I'm not afraid of sharing that." But colonoscopies, my knees say 41, (laughs) but, but my, I went to the doctor, asked her for a colonoscopy. And the one thing she told me was that I had, you know, her, you know, genetic predisposition, but not strong enough. But then after having conversations, she shared that I did qualify. And so I went ahead and I got the colonoscopy and, um, when I got there even the gentleman was like the 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 mm. doctor who was doing the colonoscopy he was kind of like why are you here um yeah. you're healthy you've lost weight you yeah. eat well you you, you just well, ran you run, yeah you work yeah, out yeah. you do I don't all smoke right. don't I don't smoke, drink you don't drink you do all the right things to take care of your body yep and I said well I just want to know you know I came from Decatur Illinois I'm born and raised there we have like I I I think at last count six or seven factories that are huge there, right? Wow. So I think about Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. Right? And yeah. like the environmental I know yeah. that there was something leaking in the water. i I I feel I'm There's not something
1: uh, leaking in our water too. You better
0: say it. I, so, I, I everybody's um, water got something. By the way, we'll be doing about Flint. But okay. but <laughs> or or uh 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 Alabama. Exact Miss yes, Jackson, yeah, Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, but okay. Back to task. So you we know that we have seen stories of factories and large corporations that leak inappropriate things into water, environmental, and then a couple years later, people have cancer. People have, and I, so I believe that there is some connection there. I'm not a doctor, but I believe in that public outcome health yeah. crisis. So. I went to the doctor, had the colonoscopy, thinking everything was going to be fine. In fact, he laughed all the way up until he put me to sleep. He was like, I'm going to turn on some music. He said, you know, I'm just going to do this. I like practicing colonoscopies anyway. Like, this is just going to be routine. They all was in there giggling with me and everything. But when I woke up afterwards, the outcome was a little more serious. And so he came up to me and he started saying some really heavy things about the need that he was able to f- take one polyp mm-hmm. out, but then the next polyp he couldn't take out because it's flat versus a tree. And so he can't clip it and you have to have it removed surgically and that I need to come back and see him. And he biopsied it to see if it's cancer and I'll know in a week. Yeah. And I was like, sir, sir, like, I, I like am anesthesia. under anesthesia and yeah. you told me that I was going to be fine and you didn't come with this. Mm-hmm. So I went back. And I said, "Can you say all that again? I need to record this for my friends and my family." So he said it again, and then I didn't see him anymore. And it was kind of like left to your own agency and devices and emotions. And I, uh, I mean, I thank Crystal for being my driver that day, but she had to care for my emotions because all I could do was cry. Yeah. Because all I know now is that I could possibly have colon oh, cancer. Goodness. I have to yeah. wait a week, and then I'll find. But I have to have surgery. So all these unanswered questions and things you don't have control over. And again, I thought I did everything right, you know. So a a week later, which is the worst week ever, because the whole week I was spiraling. (laughs) The whole week. Yeah, I mean, talk about like giving away things. I made plans to update my will. Um, I mean, like just spiraling. Um, finally I got, go back to the doctor and he tells me that the biopsy did not show cancer, but it's still a flat polyp that needs to come out because this type of polyp can grow into a concern if it's not taken out. So now I'm faced with a colon resection surgery that is not an easy recovery, but it's necessary. And all I did was go in for a colonoscopy. That's it. And
1: it turned into a lot of...
0: Fast. Very so now we're in February, yeah, and he's then when he walks out the room, his nurse comes in and she schedules a surgery, mm-hmm. so a month later, March eleventh yep. I'm supposed to be having a colon resection again spiraled completely that you know I even was placed on antidepressants because mm-hmm. i couldn't I couldn't function,
1: yeah,
0: um, and I think that we all have to realize that mental health is important, and sometimes. Absolutely. You cannot yeah. be left to your own devices when yeah. everything is moving around you and for you and you have no control and you're spinning. And it doesn't help that we're in COVID. None of us was vaccinated. So no one could really.
1: We couldn't be there. We couldn't hug you. We could sit in your house. We couldn't, like, we were literally FaceTiming at 8 o'clock at night with, like, five people to say, Sherry, you have to eat. Sherry, you have to sleep.
0: Sherry, sure, don't Google anything else. And you know that I Googled and watched a four-hour colon resection <laughs> because I wanted to know what was happening in a robotic manner. And, and th- that actually gave me comfort, but it actually spooked me more because I live here, oh, not alone, but I don't live here next to family, though I have amazing friends that have really sp- stood up for me as family. I am blessed. Yeah. I don't, I'm never going to take for granted my, my tribe and i mean coworkers, friends. Yeah. And just i'm blessed. And so anyway, have this i'm i'm getting ready for surgery, March 11th. And we go. We we go to yeah. surgery. We wake up early and i will tell you that my pastor came over that morning and he prayed with me and mm-hmm. he covered me in oil yeah. and prayed. And i think at that moment, that early moment, out of all this the month that happened, that's when I had peace. Mm-hmm. It was some like it literally came over me like, Lord, if this is what I'm supposed to do, mm-hmm. I'm going to stop doubting you and I'm going to trust you. Yeah. So I at that point, the tears stopped and I just I, I hugged my pastor really tight. Mm-hmm. And then he made some joke like he always does. <laughs> and and told me make sure I brush my teeth or something like that. He said, <laughs> and then I, we was gone. And when I got to the hospital what hurt the most is that my Tanya who was going to be taking care of me couldn't come in she because didn't. of covid. Yeah. So I was so upset. Yeah, just She was so upset. Uh, I, knew was. I, <laughs> I knew she called somebody cuz I I knew she called I she wasn't going to call so me cuz she knew that I was trying yeah. to stay strong for her and yeah. she hugged me and I could tell that she was crying and I was trying to, not to cry and then you're like left like a kid again going into like a major surgery. Yeah. But I got back there, and I have to say, like, the nurses were so sweet. Definitely. They knew what I was facing, and finally at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, I was texting everybody, you know, trying to, like, stay connected. I, You know, I don't know if I was saying goodbye, but I was just trying to stay connected. Yeah. But at 6 o'clock, I felt okay. Like, I felt okay, and I I sent a text to my family, and I was like, I love you guys. I'll call you as soon as I'm on the other side or whatever. Told my mom I loved her, told Tanya I love her, and then called you guys, and then I was done. And I turned my phone off. And for the next hour, I was just talking to the anesthesiologist and talking to the nurse and, you know, conversing about health outcomes and social, you know me social determinants (laughs) of health. And half the nurses there... Not before surgery. Yes, I started educating, right? Like, you know, they were like, yeah. So everybody's like, Sherry, you... Yeah, of course, right? So talking to them and whatnot. And then, you know, the doctor came in and then we were good to go. And then two hours later or I don't I, I mean what I, I feel two hours. see I, and I don't know my surgery yeah. started at seven and I feel like my eyes were opened around like nine thirty, nine forty-five. 30 fairly early yeah it was like half and more than not even half into the four hour plan so. I'm waking up and the doctor saying we can't do it we had to abort the surgery um yeah. we're sending you home because I was supposed to stay in the hospital for two days three days two days and I'm waking up and he's like, you have to abort the surgery. We'll talk about it in a minute. And I don't know what happened. Like, what do you mean you have to abort the surgery? So then, you know, they, they take, you know, I'm in the recovery room. He comes back and he says, you know, your uterus is enlarged and you have a fibroid the size of a football and we can't get around it to do the surgery. So we had to abort it. We didn't have your permission to continue.
1: Yes. So, on our end, we get up, we got all the texts from me, and then, of course, I was also helping Tanya, like, hey, Tanya, if you filter me the texts, I can filter it to our friends here, because everybody's relying on Tanya, like, your mom, your family, like, (laughs) every. and I was like, Tanya... It's going to be okay. So, I don't know if you know it, but... And I don't think Tanya would mind me sharing.
0: Well, to let you guys know, my mom couldn't come because of COVID. Because of COVID. And I'm not in a relationship, so my friends created this amazing care team led by Tanya. Led by Tanya. To care for me. 100% led
1: by Tanya.
0: (laughs) Okay, carry on.
1: (laughs) And so, me and Tanya prayed that night together for Mm. you. Mm. And um, it was super late, and she was packing, and then, you know, I was like, Tanya, you know, I can be your person too. Like, I, I got you. Like, whatever you need, I got you. And when she found out that they couldn't do the surgery, she was like, they can't do the surgery. And I just was like, wait, what? Like, I was at work. I was so confused. Like, I just, I didn't know what it meant. And, um, and then once you came to and we found out that they couldn't do the surgery because of the fibroids, we were all like, we don't know what this means.
0: Right.
1: And we don't know what this means because we have prepared this whole time for the colon and for the polyp. We hadn't even contemplated, like, supporting you through the fibroid issue. Like, I think we all knew, you know, we we all knew, like, you had heavy periods. You know, I have heavy periods. I have cramps. Like, we all knew, but I don't think any of us was prepared to have that conversation when we have, like, been preparing for the pilot. And I remember I was like, Tanya, how is Sherry? And she was like, she's just a ball of tears. And I was just like, I will be there when I get off work. I mean, I think all of us, we all were like, I don't know if it was devastated, but it was like a disappointment. Because we had all been like, supporting you for this one issue. And then everything switched on us. And I think you know, there was a moment where, like, I looked at my husband and I was just like, "Why, Sherry?" <laughs> it was like it felt too. It felt too much as a friend who just supports. So I was just like, "Sean, we just gotta support her in every way we can think of." Like that was the only thing that came to my mind. I was like, "I don't." I don't know if I could come over and make some jokes. I think I did come over <laughs> and I made some jokes and I had you laughing. Cause I think, you know, one laughter is good for the soul, but like, I was just like, I don't, I don't have the words. Like I just did. I didn't have the words. And, um, but like Tanya was so amazing Yeah, and she's so gentle. Yeah. And she was like, you don't have to have the words. You just got to be present. And I think, you know, um, I knew like, The I said, well, if I know how she spiraled with this polyp, I don't know how she goes spiral with the fibroids. Jesus, somebody's gonna have to help.
0: And the hard part for me, in hindsight now, is that I knew about the fibroids, right? I, as somebody who really has focused on her body for the last twenty years, because of the kidney transplant or the kidney donation. All I mean, i talked to my doctors. I know I, we do the CT scans. We do the MRIs. We yeah. do the ultrasound. So for me, it was so, I was so taken aback because I'm like, I just did an MRI. I just did an ultrasound. Like, why didn't he see this? Yeah. Why didn't he know this? And then for you to tell me that my uterus is as large as a four-month-old, I don't feel that. And you don't look it either. It, so it was just, yeah. it was so overwhelming. But yeah. what happened, guys, is that I have two cantaloupe-sized fibroids on the top of my uterus. I have an apple size at the bottom of the top of my uterus. And on the back side, there is a large fibroid that is about the size of a football. And that football is laying right on my colon. And the two larger ones on the top is laying right on my bladder. And so for him to go where he needed to go to do the colon resection would have required him to lift the football and him and the OBGYN that he called in. He
1: called in a a extra doctor to come and check to see if
0: we could lift it and get around it. And couldn't do it. And, you know, and, and, and she even said, you need her, you need to stop. You need to have her um, approval for neck, anything next step. And the fact that if he, what I found out now is that if he would have went ahead and let's say by, 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 you know, chance he could have gotten under there and then he would have laid that fibroid back on top of it. It could have the cert, the, the sutures could have stuck together yeah. and it could have created even more damage. Or yeah. I could have, I could have had a fistula septic. or a septic, yeah. like all these things could have came about. So yeah. I am grateful that, you know, the doctor came and she said, you need to stop. And he knew mm-hmm. where his limitations were, yeah. but devastated I mean just I mean at the end of the day I went in there because you told me I had a flat polyp mm-hmm. that needed to come out that it had potential cancer. Still to this day, I don't know what's in the core of this polyp. Yeah. I just know the biopsy is non-cancerous, which is the one thing that we have to focus on.
1: Or at least it's it's the one area of maybe peace that because it was tested, it wasn't like it wasn't tested. So I hope, I hope that you're able to hear that part, even though I think you probably I hear not trust it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think you trust it because yeah. of everything that has happened, which makes sense for you not to trust it. Right. But I think that sometimes we have to tell ourselves the truth, even when we don't feel it.
0: Yeah. And I'm, tr- and I, you know, I, I'm trying, yeah. I, you know, I'm trying to find those words, but I, I, I have learned that like, I had to pivot. Like mm-hmm. I had to say, God. You have me on this polyp, and I know that you're going to make sure that it stays benign, so that I now need to pivot towards this female problem, this fibroid problem, so that mm-hmm. I can get this taken care of mm-hmm. and At the end of the day, the fibroids weren't never the issue, as you said the the colon is the issue now the fibroids have become the priority. The priority you can't do anything without the other, no matter what the shooters has to go. And I think like, for me, it's really hard because of being 41, not being in a relationship, always wanting to be a mother, not having the opportunity to have the motherhood happen and evolve the way that I think I've always desired. So
1: let's pause. So with that situation, I think it's important to share with people like, Things not to say to a woman, right? <laughs> because you can't look at Sherry and know that any of this is going on. You can't. You just can't. You can't see it. You just see a beautiful woman who has a great body, who is in shape, and who's like doing amazing things in the world, right? <laughs> Nobody knows about the five boys, right? So the one thing that like or the colon or the colon, right? So what what are things that maybe? Maybe a 2 foot question. What are things that you would want to hear people say? And what are things that maybe are, have been hurtful, could be hurtful for people to say? For example, like, hey girl, we gonna put some buns in that oven. Right, right. Well, ma'am, if I could put some buns in my oven, I would. But right now, the buns I got are wheat buns that
0: sit <laughs> on my counter, and I put them in the toaster. Exactly. But, I don't even eat a lot of bread. And, right. Those, <laughs> I,
1: those was as much buns as I got. So, you know, and I think being a black woman, there is a societal pressure to have children. And so I think as much as sometimes women are trying to make conversation or... Um, women are trying to be funny, like sometimes it's hurtful. So like, what, what are some things that women that you will want your listeners to hear? Like, these are things that you shouldn't say and maybe some of the things that things are that you should say. I,
0: you know, I I think about the 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 concept that you just said is like, you know, you work too much. If you didn't work so much, you would have had a man and had children by now or you sacrificed your good your good years for work or you know like mm-hmm. always I guess the judgment, right? The judgment. It wasn't never that I sacrificed. I think that we all wanted. I always wanted not my picture book, but I at least I never wanted to be a single mother, right? Like I wanted to have a partner and a companion because I grew up in a predominantly single parent home. My dad was there, but he had struggles. Mm -hmm. And so my mom was her and I I saw her struggle. I saw her succeed. She definitely made me stronger and resilient. But I was like, I don't want that for my child, right? right? Like I, I just wanted that partnership, that companionship. And so I think, you know, people have to be mindful of not Placing judgment because my story looks different than theirs and they don't know the chapters of that story, you know Um, I would encourage I don't know if I have words to help people understand Do you want to ask but if you I mean one thing you may ask is have you ever thought or considered having children, I think you'd be a phenomenal mother. You know, maybe if may and that may still be triggering yeah, depending on the day. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. I don't know. This is also new to me, Janiqua, because yeah. when I had the conversation with my doctor in July, she told me that I had time. That because I lost the weight, because I am eating healthy, because I monitor and I stay on, you know, and check in with her, that I had time. So I was still in the dating phase and yeah. you know like thinking about that and so i don't know i'm still I, the question that you're asking me is probably something i still have yet to learn mm-hmm. now i do know that probably may one when i wake up from having this hysterectomy yeah. ask me that again you know what i mean like yeah. the the blessing right now is that i have the opportunity maybe to keep my to keep my ovaries. Mm-hmm. And so I could do egg retrieval. She looked at my ovaries and said they were healthy and so that's a possibility. But egg retrieval is very expensive. Yeah. Um I you know of course anybody I
1: anybody out there would like to contribute to this.
0: <laughs> Please please send <laughs> that <It's so stuffy. laughs> It is. It's really expensive, yeah, it and is. from what I've watched on TV and from YouTube and all the things you can, it's painful. I mean, taking yeah, the shot yeah. every time, building up your hormones, yeah. you know, and it can be also another triggering place if you do all this and then eggs aren't retrieved or They're so not viable eggs, yeah,
1: and all of that, yeah. yeah,
0: and 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 that comes to the point of me needing a surrogate, right? Yeah. So like my my opportunity to be a mother is. It's, it, it's definitely changed because I can't carry, right? And so, like, that's going to be, I don't know. Like, I just always saw myself being a mother to a little boy, naming him after my brother, and we going out to play some football. Like, I just, my brain always said, and anybody who knows you knows me know that I uh, love, like, playing with, like, little boys and, like, you know, getting on the ground great, and, yeah, like, just, I always wanted to be a, a, a boy mom. Yeah. I just wanting to do that, and I'm not saying that I can't do it in the design that God has planned for me,
1: yeah, and I think I think sometimes when when women hear um because I do have a child, so when I sometimes hear my friends who don't have children and want children um or can't have children in the the conventional way where like they carry them, you know, I think about. I do think about, like, there's so many children out there who need moms. I think about, you know, there's so many babies in foster care. I think about, um, you know, surrogacy. And I think about, you know, just all the different ways. But I'm always, or I always try to be mindful to not, like, jump to say, well, even though you can't carry it, girl, we're going to get you, you know, we're going to get you a foster care kid because it's not the same. And I think, um... Women, us as women, we have to give space to other women to know that it's not the same and you can't compare it. And like, you have to make that choice. Right. You know, like you have to make the choice of, you know, if motherhood can't look the way, can't look like the way that I've always envisioned it, what does it look like? Yeah. And as somebody with a child, I will say that motherhood doesn't look like what I always envisioned it either. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it doesn't, look like you know what you envision either and what you end up walking into is like you have to figure out what you want your motherhood to look like and so what I would say is that whatever your motherhood journey is it's still going to be your journey um you know it's the same thing with women who've had miscarriages you know um, I was listening to another podcast and the lady had had a miscarriage and it was coming around Mother's Day and she was like, I don't want to celebrate it. I'm not a mother. And he was like, but you had a miscarriage. So you are a mother. You were somebody's mother. Um, and I think that we, our bodies, do a lot of different kinds of things. And so whatever your experience is, like I want to give you the space to honor whatever that experience is for you. And you may wake up at like 60 and be like, you know what? I want a baby. And I want to be a foster parent. And then what we're going to do, we're
0: going to make way for your motherhood journey. Um, I like that word, motherhood journey. Because I think who I am, no matter what, I remember always telling, and I looked at old journals and diaries. I always said I wanted to have one and adopt one. Mm -hmm. So I know that like my spirit is, and who I am, I'm a servant leader. Always. So I know that like, you know, I, I mean, especially working in public health and knowing the social work background, mm-hmm. and you know, knowing DCFS and things that nature. Like, I know that that is probably yeah. a part of my motherhood journey. Mm-hmm. I just always envision different. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, and I and I just want to give you space for that. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, as I've grown older, I think what I've also had to do is admire women who make different choices. And I think if we give each other enough space to be who we are and honor the journeys that we're on and not judge us or question us. I think the other thing, though, is like, I don't want people to question you in the, in a demeaning way. Like, yeah. well, why are you moving forward with the hysterectomy? You can't get a second opinion, third opinion, fourth opinion. You know, because you just never know. One, you know, I've had fibroids myself, so fibroids grow back, you know? And, and to think about what it Could have on your body in the long term, like what it would look like. You have to make the best choice possible, and as your friends and your village and your support system, we are just here to support you through every
0: decision, not to you know judge you for it. Um, it was hard, I mean, like it's hard, you know. I, I did, you know, think about the other opportunities, so I've had friends who had the emblasion, right, where they seal off the blood vessels, but. Those are usually smaller fibroids. I have a football. You have huge. I have huge fibroids. Yeah. Now, my blessing in disguise is that I'm not in pain. And I don't know if it's because I'm I have been working out and you know whatever it may be or maybe because of my diet, who knows, right? But I don't have the pain that my that I've seen happen. Like my yeah. sister, you know, she had fibroids, but my sister was in excruciating pain. She had major bouts of, you know, a Burst or whatever you want to call it and uh-huh. like she had no choice because I mean her quality of life was just low yeah. I mean like her iron was so low. She had to have iron infusion. She had to have blood transfusions because she was losing so much, you know, so that's not my story So when I heard, you know, hysterectomy, I'm like, I don't have that story Like because I lived through that with my sister. I was in the house when she was going through it. Yeah. So for me, I'm like why is that happening to me already? Isn't don't you have to get rise to that to get here? And so I did have a second opinion. I did go to another doctor, and they told me emblasion was not smart because of the size. They told me myomectomy would leave my my uterus basically looking like swiss cheese in so many ways because they would have to pull off these large fibroids, and then even if. I kept my uterus one. You're right. They're going to grow back. I still have 10 more years possibly before I hit menopause. So they yeah. they have plenty of time to grow back. They could grow back bigger. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that she said was like, even if you got the myomectomy, you're not going to be able to carry because your, mm. your uterus will be weak. And so like, so do you want to suffer miscarriages on top of this? And, and, and then also you're 41. So I have to also be very Unhonest about my age and that no matter what I do if, for my body, it would have been geriatric, you know, and things of that nature. And Which there's, is crazy. and there's other, yeah. Yeah. I
1: still think 41 is crazy because my mama didn't stop having kids to 43. My grandma didn't stop having it to 49. So, you know, like to think about women in their forties being geriatric is, it's
0: in, yeah, it's so much. And, and, and it happens so fast, yeah. you know, like I mean, I blink of an eye, I'm like, wow, I'm 40, you know, but so I did. I, I did that. So that wasn't an option either. You know, they when they say full hysterectomy, they talk about taking all of your female organs and leaving your your uterus. I mean your ovaries. And honestly, when I was in the doctor's office, the my uh, second opinion, not even my third, I talked to him. I'm like, what's the benefit of keeping my ovaries? I understand that it keeps me from going into menopause, mm-hmm. but a lot of people say that ovarian cancer is the silent killer. So if I don't have cycles, I've had the hysterectomy. How will you know? How will I know what is you know you know how to monitor this and and so that that's that those are questions I still have and still things that are a concern, but I understand that they're healthy right now and so we're gonna have to do ultrasounds and we'll have to watch them and so that's a, a another thing that I'll have to add to my list. my list and Jesus. yeah and you know for me that works but I know that. I'm blessed, I'm privileged, right? I have Health insurance. insurance. Yeah. You know, I have the opportunity to make a doctor's appointment, go be seen, pay the $10 copay. You also have
1: a background in healthcare, so you always you also you all so Come to the table with, like, a vocabulary, a background knowledge of, like, what's happening, what's going know on. Know how to – I
0: have health literacy enough to go research. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I have friends who are physicians. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are educators. I, You know, mm-hmm. so, like, even my tribe is educated. So if I don't know, mm-hmm. I can say – You can reach out. And say, come with me, or yeah. before I go, I have these questions. I have so many nurses, so many people that can a- aid in this. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I shared – this is one of my close – uh, friends in Chicago. Her mom was an oncology nurse, and she was like, oh, wow. "Tell her, Sherry, that Sherry, that 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 polyp is fine." You know, she actually did like oncology nursing, so oh, wow. like she just like just don't even know how important your tribe is yeah. and their parents, you know, and things like. That. So, yeah, I did. I I did think about other options, but when you see like when when I showed you the pictures of what I was like, right. And I know wow. that that was probably a little bit more information than some of my friends wanted. Because I was, I was texting, girl. I was, yeah <laughs> <You're so laughs> right. I was I, like, whoa, that's a palompia, Yes. I was okay. like, listen. Because the one thing that I realized is that when my mom had her hysterectomy, and I don't need, until today, I don't know if it was full or partial. Because now they say full is with keeping your ovaries. But mm-hmm. I think, it, I, my brain says that's partial because you're keeping some of your reproductive system. Right. But Whatever way they use it but my mom had a hysterectomy she had it around this age i didn't know she just said baby i'm going to the hospital you you, you know aunt's going aunt pat's here you know like it was kind of like it was like the don't ask type thing little did i yeah. know that my aunt had it my nana had one and they all had it in their early 40s oh, had i known that maybe i would have used 30s differently or maybe not. Or Who's maybe to say? Yeah. And then my my sister went through it, my sister went through it at the same age. So for me now, I knew it was a part of my story. Yeah. I just didn't know when. Because so I was, you know, I've done all the things to try to put it off. Mm. And yet, it's still here. So I think I wanted to do this episode just to say, like, you can do all the things, mm-hmm. but sometimes there's nothing you can do but do what is is coming you can't beat genetics you know um
1: or sometimes even you can do all the things but doing all the things doesn't secure sometimes the thing that we want the most yeah and i think that is the for me that's the sucky part of life but i i still have hope that there is still something bright that is coming out of this moment um and I don't know what that is.
0: Well, I think for me it's it's like I feel me doing this episode and putting it in the air that is going to go wherever it decides to go. Yeah. It's healing for me and I know that for me it takes that weight off because I carry weights. Emotional, you know, we all have insecurities. So I know that people will find their way to ask me the challenging questions or yeah. to make the inappropriate jokes or yeah. to have un- un- unnecessary assumptions, right?
1: What, when they make the inappropriate joke, what, what are you going to do? I'm just
0: curious. I don't know yet. I mean, I would dare people not to make the inappropriate People should, <laughs> people should not. Try not Sherry, okay? Yes. Sherry is not Let's, to be tried. They say? Try Jesus, not me. <laughs> try Jesus, <laughs> not me. Yeah, I just, yeah. I don't know because... Depending on where I am, yeah. it could trigger me, right? So I yeah. could get upset. I could cry. Yeah. I could walk away. You know, like it, there's so many things. But I feel that I realized when I did that that two part episode in July is that I'm not alone, right? You and are not alone. there are so yeah. many of my friends, yeah. people that I went to school with, that are faced with this. And they're each one, everybody's story around fibroids mm-hmm. is so different. Everybody. Like your fibroid story is not my mm-hmm. story and mm-hmm. yours are found different. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. I just, and then we have people that know that they have fibroids and they just haven't had them. They're not growing at the pace. Right? right. I was leaving that house and one of the ladies walking her dog, um, white woman, um, in her late, 70s, you know. Again, I have my pictures. I'm like, I walk around. <laughs> I walk around with these pictures. Stop you are people you're Listen, food. you gonna see this uterus. You gonna <laughs> see it. And she was like, "Sherry, you know, I decided to have a a hysterectomy too. She had fibroids, and like, so it doesn't. Yes, it impacts black women two to three it, times but it more. Also impacts women, but it impacts women. Yeah. And I think like that's the underline is that we as women need to support other women yeah. because we our stories are more similar than they are different yeah. there are and, and so when I see women now that are in their 40s who may not have children or I think about my aunts who may not have had children or may have only had one yeah. now my brain is like I wonder I wonder Did she have fibroids right. did she you know and I'm I'm able to ask certain questions but you know some of them have passed so I can't have them but now I'm curious as to you know is that is that their story Mm -hmm. for me i can manifest and and hold in the fibroid and i can talk about it the colon issue was too much for me it's still too much for me it's too heavy and i think that's the reason why i needed to have be put on medication because for me when we hear colon we hear colon cancer, we hear late stage, we hear it's not caught, we hear, you know, forced every like, you know, you think about Chadwick Boseman, like you just think about young, viable, amazing people. And so when that happened, I spiraled. I, I I don't think about it as much as I do right now, because I'm, I know that I'm covered. I know God, I mean, my faith has really risen around this. But that was one that I struggle with because I can I can I can be a kidney donor all day. I can I tell that to the world. I can I mean I I'm, I love talking about my cousin. Mm-hmm. I can be an asthma person all day. I have asthma. I take these pills. I love talking about my brother. Love talking about my cousin. But the the colon thing, it, it it's hurtful because my aunt, the love of my life, my my aunt that really took care of me, the aunt mm-hmm. who. I call her in college, my Aunt Beauty, I want blah. And she'd be like, okay, baby, we're going to – because at that time it was Western Union. Ah, Western Union, the money. (laughs) She never questioned me. She was phenomenal. She read all my papers. She was the one person who read all my rhetoric papers. Like, she would actually go in and correct my rhetoric papers before I turned them in. Like, just such a steward in my life. And she was the one who made me write my handwriting. I have really good penmanship. But she was one who made me write my penmanship. She's the one who made me memorize. I have really good, like, she was the one who made me read, like, the Bill of Rights and the articles. and Like, she was that person. And she passed away in 2015 um, due to colon cancer. Mm-hmm. Now, she also smoked. So, like, mm-hmm. for me, I was like, okay, that may be. Um, that's why I don't smoke. And That's why I don't smoke, you mm-hmm. know, to exacerbate anything. Mm-hmm. And so for that to be the issue, knowingly that she had it, um, it just it, it it was triggering, and then to tell my family, and then I knew that I was bringing that pain back on them, and it 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 was, it was the I hate to say this, but it was the why me God, like yeah. why is this my story? Yeah. And I'm comfortable with certain parts of things being a chapter in my story, but this, one, this one is heavy. Yeah, this one is heavy, and so all I want now is yes I know that the date of the surgery is April 30th for the hysterectomy and for some reason I'm still at a calm like I I'm still at a peace mm-hmm. I think because we had a trial in March 11th where mm-hmm. I know that I'm not alone that my friends will be here in the worst of times and of in course. the best of times of I course. mean the fact I mean I I they t- they they sent me home I don't know when they sent me home but above like 3 hours later and I was still under anesthesia I was dry heaving yeah. everything on my body hurt I mean like I have a bruise from yeah. my belly button all to the middle of my back. It was and and I couldn't sleep. I couldn't function. All I could do was cry. I don't know what I was crying about, but it was all the things mm-hmm. to the point where the only way I could go to sleep is if Tanya got in the bed with me. Mm-hmm. Like I mean and so shout out to Tanya. <laughs> like,
1: Tanya is a, <laughs> she's a real G, okay? She,
0: she <laughs> I I like literally she she figured out my my pain. Cause I came, I came home with more pain than I had pain medicine in and, and, you know, and she got that together with help of Constance. And then she was like, what can I do? And I was like, I don't know. I'm shaking and whatever. I'm sitting in all these pillows cause I can't roll over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just go he- sleep here. Like, cause I just couldn't be alone. Yeah. And she was there. And I think that was the only time I may have slept in, in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm grateful I think that we have to give space to the friends that are family, you know, and honor that. So, I know that, like, I'll be fine in April. My mom will be here this time. My friends know that they know what I'm like in my worst. And I'm hard-headed. And um, I'm just... All of this this
1: good self-awareness, I'm here for
0: it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hard-headed. You are very hard-headed. I like to lift things that I shouldn't lift. Yes. I like like to be independent. Like I like to, to take stairs that I shouldn't be taking. You like to sit on the back of couches. I like to sit on the you back like of couches. You should be swing your legs. <laughs> yes,
1: you like to do laundry when you uh, actually got
0: people to do. Laundry. I mean, there's a list of things. But that's that hard when about. you're. But that's hard when you're so used to being. You, when you're used so to, used to being, being so independent, and you're the one that people rely on. Yeah. When you're the strong one, yeah. How does the strong one get weak? Yeah. I don't. I don't. I didn't. You weren't weak, but my brain said, like Sherry. And I think for me, it's because the surgery was aborted, that I couldn't get my head... I still came out in the same condition I went in, so my brain was like, you can... You're fine. You can wash clothes. You can make the bed. But you, you can had surgery. But I they, had surgery.
1: They still cut you open. You still had anesthesia. And that's why we kept trying to say, like, sit down. And you were like, but I didn't have the surgery. And we're like, but you had surgery. Yeah.
0: Sit down. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I... I think what I hope that this does is, one, it lets people know that we're all imperfect, that we all have vices that we are, or vices or situations or stories that we can't control that are happening to us, that we really do need to practice some kindness to people and humility to ourselves and honor the space that we have and take nothing for granted in life. Yeah. But um I I'm I mean I, I for me I walked out with new faith and I walked out with more gratitude and I think more peace and more resolve that at the end of the day as much as we think that we have control, we we don't have any.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We, don't, we don't have any. So I don't know. I just wanted to share this um you know, tomorrow my brother Is the anniversary of Eugene's passing? He passed Mm -hmm. in ninety five. It's also the anniversary um, of you know just understanding loss in a different way. Um,
1: And black woman working.
0: And it's also, but yes, but now it's kind of become a a sense of honor in regards that on such a hard day in my life, also something came out of that and that is black woman working yeah. and black woman working is designed to create a transparent space for black women and women to be vulnerable. But it's also to be able to be an informational Depot for anyone who wants to understand how this black woman is working through life. And, um, and that's what black woman working was to me. It was to create a space where I could feel vulnerable and I could feel, you know like these conversations that i have with you all can be shared you know that other people can learn and benefit and understand and that what you see on the outside is the shell but you have to be understanding of all the things that are inside that is happening in that person's life yeah 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 thank you thank I'm you for being be here <laughs>
1: super vulnerable but i know it's going to help somebody cuz i think you also are not alone in your journey yeah and i think it's important for sometimes people don't feel comfortable sharing their journey because they're afraid of the judgments and they're afraid of the 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 wrong statements and sometimes people do make the wrong statements right but you know this
0: is your journey and i'm just honored to be on the journey with you i appreciate it i really appreciate you being here because i don't i knew i wanted to talk and i knew that i needed to lift this off and I didn't. I knew I couldn't do it by myself. You know what I mean. And and I'm I'm grateful that I call you today and you show up today. Anytime. But it was it's, it. That's again. That's just the spirit of my tribe. Like it. It's just. And it, I'm just again. Just the utmost gratitude to the people that I have had the pleasure of touching. But God has also put people in my life that can be that poor in that I desire, even when I'm the most hard headed and not willing to accept it all the time. You know. So. I hope this helps someone. I hope that you know you are, um, that you hear that, you know, the first thing that you need to do is advocate for yourself health-wise. Yeah. You know, if you get the opinion that you are unsure about, ask for a second opinion, go yep. to a third opinion, yep. um, make the decision that's best for you. Yep. And you know, if you have people in your life that don't honor that space, find out where they really need to be in your life or maybe mm-hmm. that season of that person in your life is over. But you have to be mindful that your decision is the one you have to live with and it's not. But again, call on God and Mm -hmm. ask for guidance and ask for discernment Mm -hmm. and, you know, really place your hand there because I don't think that I would have gotten to this place of complete transparency Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for my faith. You know, just I just don't think that I I could have. So make sure that you surround yourself with believers Make sure you just, you know, surround yourself with people that can pray for you and that you get and have that moment of peace and conversation with whoever you believe in, however you believe, um, so that you can find that peace that you need in order to make some of the tough, heavy decisions. And with that, we'll let this episode be a wrap. And, you know, if you have any questions, please let me know. But I would encourage you to go back and look at the july episodes and listen to the july, july episodes there were two-part series of six amazing women that also shared their fibroid story because if you're a man you're going to have a girlfriend a wife a yep. mom a yep. sister an aunt a grandmother who is experiencing this and if you are a woman you know the chances are you may have a fibroid but you're definitely going to have a friend in your circle that is okay. going to be going through such a crisis as well Absolutely. thank you so much everyone